Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode number 97. And today we are tackling preventive maintenance. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Good afternoon, everybody. Dr. P in the house, and it is time for another epically awesome episode of the podcast. And I'm here today to talk about a whole bunch of different things. And then, of course, we will have um, uh, office hours after the podcast because that's how we do it around here. I have some questions that I have to that people have submitted that I have to go over. And uh, then we are going to uh, go and create amazing wins. (laughs) I was doing some thinking this week about, you know, marketing my business and and that sort of thing. And I took some inspiration from all y'all and your Instagram posts and things like that. And um, I am going to start marketing around client wins. And I'm super excited about this because I love my clients. I love you all. And if you have had, I will tell you, if you have had a, a big win based on the stuff that you've heard on the podcast or in the proofing box, uh, then I would absolutely love to hear about it. I would love to hear about it. So I'm collecting these stories because it is, um, it's important to know what the stories are, right? And so client wins, guys. Collect them, you know, like look at your wins that you make. I wanna, you know, as before we get into the topic at hand, which is preventive maintenance, which is incredibly important, I wanna address a short little thing. I think a lot of us, overwork and under celebrate okay i know in food in the time of coronavirus is fraught and everybody is just working their asses off and trying to figure shit out and and i get it okay but what would it look like for you to celebrate (laughs) okay like just just like ask yourself like what one of your accomplishments was and just celebrate it because it's so important. You know, the world that we work in, in food, is all, I mean, it, like, there's not one thing that we do uh, in our human existence when we have a celebration that doesn't involve food, uh, okay? And that you are here and you are making this food and you are persisting, that alone is worth celebrating. Um, and I do really, truly want you to celebrate that because it is uh, an amazing accomplishment, especially in the time of coronavirus, but any time of the year, you know, any decade, making food for a living is amazing and worthy of recognition and worthy of appreciation. And I appreciate you. So I wanted to start out the podcast that way, yeah, because I love you all. And I'm not just saying that. So other things uh, to think about. We are enrolling for September. In September, we are covering environmental monitoring in the proofing box, and that is uh, uh, incredibly important if you make a ready-to-eat food and you are worried about listeria. So book a blueprint call and uh, come and uh, and join us. 5K for 90 days. Uh, Your blueprint call will go over what you're going to accomplish in those 90 days. Imagine getting an audit (laughs) at the end of 90 days so you could sell 
to whom you wish to sell. That would be pretty amazing. Oh, okay. So that is, uh, that offer is there on the table. Please take me up on it because it is truly life-changing work. Um, next thing is, is that if you are interested in a locker, I am booking calls for a locker and we have, you know, like we have locker calls for, for that sort of thing. So if you are letting, not having a facility stand in your way, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. And I should say, it's not just having a facility, but having the money to, to get a facility. You know, our food businesses, they all take money, they cost money, and it's, uh, it is an investment. Coaching is an investment, a locker is an investment. And I want you to really think about what it would mean for you to make that investment today. Because the truth is, is that we can have you up and running in a facility this fall, and you could be part of the solution in local meat processing using a locker starting in the next um, 14, 16, 18 weeks. Uh, that's in time to put food on the table for Thanksgiving. It's time to put food on the table for the holidays. And I would love to be part of your journey for that. That would be really quite incredible. And as we think about facilities, you know, Around here, we are all about uh, facilities and people and process. Um, and uh, I've positioned myself in the marketplace to bring amazing opportunities for people all over that, all over those like three things. And I do that because I don't want things to stop you. You know, for those of you who are unfamiliar, I. I started all of this work. I was an army officer and I was um, trying to nurse my now 12 year old kid, which is kind of crazy. Um, so, and he was allergic to dairy and soy and I lived in New Jersey and I was trying to find dairy and soy free foods. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. And so Andrew and I had to start making all of our own food. And it was in the process of making and sourcing all of our own food and talking to farmers, trying to find pasteurized, non-homogenized milk, which by the way, I have here in Ohio. I'm super excited about it. Wholesome Valley, who has no idea who I am, but I love them and they're amazing. And I buy them at Ohio City Provisions. And, um, and that's really what got me down this road because I started having conversations with people just like you saying, oh my God, Dr. P, I can't figure out HACCP planning. And I was like, HACCP planning? I can do HACCP planning. And so I like did HACCP planning, right? And it's grown to everything that it is today. It's grown to the beautiful business that I have today with the beautiful clients that I have and my beautiful employees. Like I'm in love with everything today, if you guys can't tell. Um, and I'm just so excited about the, about the future that I brought about because like I listened to people and I followed my heart. And so I put in place stuff around facilities, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sell you a facility. If it's a facility that's stopping you, I will sell you a facility. Yeah. Okay. If it's processes that are stopping you, I will train you in all of the processes. Uh, and if it's people that's stopping you, I got a solution for that too. Uh, okay. You know, I work, we work with, um, Carrie Underly over at Range Meats. Uh, and if you get a locker, you get an enrollment in Range Meat Academy, so you can actually learn how to butcher. You get meat and poultry HACCP training. You get 
uh, access to all of the coaching and consulting that I do so that you can be successful because our success is truly your success. And that's how I measure myself. I have, I think you guys have heard me say on the podcast before, I really have two metrics, profitability, mine and yours, and did anybody take a vacation? Those are the metrics I use, okay? Because I believe very deeply. I know this isn't like a fairly non-American thing to believe in, but I truly believe in vacation. And so um, those are my metrics for success. And are you there? And what does it look like to have all those barriers removed? And that's amazing. And I want you to think about just paint a picture in your head about what it looks like to have the barriers around facility and people and process removed. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about removing those barriers. And today's podcast is all about preventive maintenance. So what are your barriers to preventive maintenance? Well, the barriers that I see in preventive maintenance are very rarely, how do I do preventive maintenance on XYZ thing? Huh? It's almost never what it is because guess what guys uh, y'all are pretty good at preventive maintenance like when when you set down to do it you can really do it or you have a maintenance department who can do it okay so it is almost often always never that you don't know how to do the preventive maintenance and i will tell you the how is always googleable <laughs> okay i heard that from my coach this week <laughs> the how is googleable so then the question becomes, and there is definitely some how around preventive maintenance, but it's in the pre-work to preventive maintenance as opposed to the actual PM itself. And no, this is not the podcast where I'm going to teach you how to do PM on your grinder um, in a very great detail <laughs> because I don't know how to do PM on a grinder, but I do know where to find instructions on how to do it. And I could probably maybe figure it out, though I'm probably not the one you want to do that. <laughs> and so... There, your preventive maintenance is, you know, we always take it from a risk-based perspective. And if you're listening to this podcast or you're on the proofing box in August of 2020, I'm doing a 30-day challenge on risk-based uh, risk uh, policies, okay? Because people need these to pass audits, right? So if you're going after an SQF audit or, or a global markets program audit, you need risk-based policies. Like you need written stuff around risk analysis and your policies that have come from your risk analysis or your product, right? And so the risk analysis around preventive maintenance, the biggest risk of preventive maintenance, guys, is that you don't do it and your facility or your equipment falls into your food. That is your risk. If that has already happened, your risk is higher. If that hasn't happened, your risk is lower. It's that simple, okay? Stop letting that be a barrier, <laughs> right? And so the biggest, so it's not the how, okay? It's not really that your facility is falling into your food, okay, and causing physical hazards. What it really is, is the mental mind game of scheduling that stuff out, okay? It is all about going into your processing room at the end of your processing day when everything is cleaned up, taking a deep breath and writing every last bit of what's in there down, okay? Now, I will tell you, you need to have every blessed thing written in your facility down on a spreadsheet for a bunch of different reasons. You need it for preventive maintenance. You need it for environmental monitoring. You need it for your sanitation program. That's three different things. 
you're gonna have a list in an Excel spreadsheet that is going to say, yeah, all right, and you can do it per room. I don't really recommend doing, you know, one tab per piece of equipment because that would be a little crazy, but per room, just do it per room, okay? And go into your processing room, right? And what I want you to do is I want you to take three pieces of paper with you along with your Excel spreadsheet, okay? And you are going to look up and you're gonna take a pencil that you have brought with you and you are going to draw out your ceiling and you are going to draw out everything that goes from shoulders to ceiling, okay? And so that is everything from exit signs to sprinklers to other overhead piping to venting to, I mean, like there's, there could be a lot of different stuff on ceilings, okay? Do you have, do you have skylights? Some of you do. Not a great thing over a food processing facility, but I digress. Right, and you're gonna draw a map. It does not have to be perfect. You're not going to architectural school. It has to be good enough so that you know what is up there and you can create what we call a visual process control for when stuff needs to be PM'd and when stuff needs to be cleaned and when stuff needs to be swapped. Three different maps, preventative maintenance, environmental monitoring and sanitation, all right? And you are just going to use those maps to write down when something gets PM'd, that's all. Uh, okay, in this particular context. We'll, we'll talk about it in another context when I do the uh, podcast on environmental uh, monitoring. So you're gonna have that map, okay? And then I want you to take everything that's on that map and I want you to put it in the Excel spreadsheet, okay? And the reason we do this two ways is because people think in two different ways, all right? Most people who work in food are very creative individuals and their creativity lives on the right side of their brain, okay? There are some of you who are very creative individuals and their creativity lives on the left side of their brain. And what that looks like is, is a difference between understanding how the world looks and translating it into pictures versus translating it into words. And some of y'all work better in words, hence the Excel spreadsheet. And some of y'all work better in pictures, hence the map, uh, okay? You have both kinds of people working in your facility. And for most people in QA, you are a balance of both. You understand like the maps and things like that and you can explain maps easily and you live in Excel spreadsheets. Uh, you live in a place where if you write everything down and you have, you know, like a column for everything in that room, right, kind of, I guess, probably broken into chunks about things that are shoulders and above, and then you write down the preventive maintenance schedule, you write down the environmental monitoring schedule, and you write down the sanitation schedule for it, it will be laid out. That is itself a map of sorts, right? An Excel spreadsheet can absolutely be a map. And then I want you to do the same thing from shoulders to knees, okay? And so then what you're gonna have from shoulders to knees, you're gonna have the, um, the permanent structures, okay? And then you're gonna have equipment because most of your food contact surface, if not all your food contact surface, for the vast majority of you, is gonna occur between shoulders and knees. List all of that stuff out and then do the same thing, map and Excel spreadsheet from knees to floor. You have probably heard this multiple times because I say it multiple times. Right, so that's how you do the map, okay. Then your next question to me is gonna be, Dr. P, how often do I have to do PM? 
And the answer is more often than your equipment breaks. <laughs> okay, most of y'all are living in the land of emergency and urgent maintenance. Okay, you gotta stop that, knock that off. Even if you're in the middle of production, I need you to knock that stuff off. Okay, because when you knock that stuff off and you, even if you have to do a shutdown this weekend to get all of your urgent and emergency maintenance out of the way so you can actually do preventive maintenance, likely is not, it's not gonna be this weekend because you need to do a little bit of planning for that, people. Um, but once you get, you can really only do preventive maintenance once you get out of urgent and emergency maintenance. But a lot of us are in urgent and emergency maintenance for the same reason our, like we are urgent about everything and it's because we fail to plan. Uh, once you have a preventive maintenance plan, what you've gotta do is you've gotta follow it. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna do PM on your sprinkler system once a year in conjunction with your fire department, because they have like ways of testing that stuff, right? Then you actually have to follow through on it you need to call up the fire department and say, what do I need to do to get on the schedule so that you can test my sprinkler system or whatever it is, okay? And you've gotta get that stuff scheduled and then you've gotta do it no matter what because that's the other part of it is, is you schedule stuff and then you don't do it and that ruins your own damn trust in yourself, okay? And when you're ruining your own trust in yourself, that's exhausting. Like that is what drains all of your emotional energy and nobody wants to live there. Nobody wants to live there, right? So you have to actually do it. And then there are, there are things you're gonna, you know, like there are things that you're gonna have to face. Is everybody safe? Okay, I'm gonna do a strive analysis on this. So is everybody safe to do preventive maintenance? I have been in places where the answer is no. You gotta fix that. That is urgent maintenance. If people aren't safe and you're not using lockout, tagout, and train to lockout, tagout, people aren't safe to do maintenance. Knock that shit off and fix it. Ugh. Okay, this is Dr. P putting on her captain's hat here. Fix that because there's no excuse for that. Are people, are you financially safe? Are you financially safe to go into shutdown to do preventive maintenance? The vast majority of you are going to tell me, no, 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 Dr. P, there's no possible way I can do that. And then you're in like shutdown for like a week when a water main breaks over your facility. I've totally been there before. Are you emotionally safe to do preventive maintenance? Are you willing to ask maintenance to be uncomfortable, to stop doing the urgent maintenance and to give them the resources that they need to actually get the maintenance under control. That can be a very, very hard conversation, okay? Is, um, is maintenance then trained? The, tree, the T in the stride is trained. Is maintenance trained uh, to do the, um, the preventive maintenance? The answer is probably, okay? Um, and if they're not, go get them some training. Um, is there the respect? A lot of times there is not the respect of the maintenance department and what they can do to be proactive. Okay, this is a, there's kind of, there can be a white collar, blue collar divide here, guys. And I want you to ask yourself if that's what's happening. If there's not enough respect for maintenance for actually doing what they know how to do and, and, and letting them work effectively. Then the I is invested. Have you invested time, talent, and treasure in doing preventive maintenance? And only you can answer that. But if you're not scheduling it and you're not making sure that maintenance, the maintenance department has the wherewithal, has the financial resources to show up to do it, then the answer is no. Um, the V is, do you value doing preventive maintenance? And for many of you, the answer is no. Um, 
okay? Know where you stand and stand there. If you don't value doing preventive maintenance, it is gonna be impossible for you to pass an audit. Keep your business the size where you don't have to pass an audit. It's okay, audits are completely uh, voluntary. You don't have to pass an audit. You don't have to do preventive maintenance in order to get a USDA grant of inspection. It's totally, the preventive maintenance program, guys, is completely and utterly voluntary. It's completely voluntary. Um, as long as you maintain a facility that doesn't fall into your food, as long as you maintain equipment that doesn't fall into your food, if you want to keep the warranty going on your equipment, then you got to show up to preventive maintenance. I mean, it's kind of that easy, right? So then the question is, is are you empowered to stand in fear and discomfort and failure? I've been in many places where the answer is no, you are not empowered to stand in fear and discomfort and failure and, and work with your maintenance department to work differently, to get out of urgent maintenance, to get out of emergency maintenance and everybody's ass being on fire and get into actual preventive maintenance. The answer is just flat no. And if the answer is going to be no, again, don't embark on a preventive maintenance program and be okay with it. But the worst place to be is being, I should be doing preventive maintenance because that sucks. <laughs> That feels terrible and you're not doing anything about it, uh, right? The other really terrible place to be is um, I'm trying my best in preventive maintenance. Guys, you're either doing it or you're not. Uh, you're either doing it or you're not. And if you're not doing it, then you're not doing it. And just know where you stand and stand there and either address the problems as they come through in the Strive Protocol or don't and decide it's not a problem. Both are okay. <laughs> Both are totally okay. And you've just got to understand what results you're going to create out of that and be okay with those results. Because if you're pulling your hair out and you are not doing preventive maintenance, those are results that you've created. Do you want those or do you want something different? And that's what you, I mean, that's you have the privilege of asking yourself that. Okay. And then the question is, is that then what when we okay so you've got all of these things and what i really want you to ask yourself is um, what would be the benefit of doing preventive maintenance because a lot of us just see the cost the cost of a shutdown the cost of taking a piece of equipment offline to do preventive maintenance but the benefit of preventive maintenance is uptime the benefit of preventive maintenance is saying this is how functional we are on the floor, all right? And how much more product we get out the door because we do a preventive maintenance program. Mm. All righty, that's uptime. And you gotta calculate your uptime. And I guarantee you, because this is how the world works, you institute a PM program, you will have more uptime. And in the long run, you will put more product out the door, all righty? So that is preventive maintenance, guys. Know it, love it, do it. Uh, and if you need help with that, you know where to find me. Book yourself a blueprint call. Come on into the power group and let's solve this problem together. I love you all so, so much. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.